This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and in our next installment of the Georgia Story interview series, we are fired up today to have Chip Weil with us. Chip is the Chief Track Properties Officer of NASCAR, overseeing the 11 NASCAR-owned racetracks that compete in the NASCAR Cup Series. Prior to his appointment as SVP of NASCAR, Chip was the president of the International Speedway Corporation's flagship motorsports facility, Daytona International Speedway. And prior to that, he was the president of Darlington Raceway. Chip is a graduate of the University of Georgia. He is a father, he is a husband, and he is a damn good dog. Welcome to the show. You are our first guest since the dogs were crowned national champions. So to start us off, just give us your recap of experience in this season as a fan and an alum and what uh, January 10th was like for you. Wow. Well, I mean, you start off the season. I was actually in Darlington, South Carolina for the Southern 500. Uh, and it always is the opening weekend of uh, a football season, uh, that, that race weekend. So staying with a buddy of mine's house and uh, him and his wife both went to Clemson. So I knew it was going to be a tough first game, not only the dogs playing, uh, playing the Clemson Tigers, but just uh, my best, one of my best friends having to scream at me all night long while we're watching the game. <laughs> I knew right then that, the, that this was a pretty special team. You look defensively at what, uh, what Kirby and, and the team were able to, uh, to assemble. You just you could see it uh, from, from the first snap of the first game that this team was something, something different. And, uh, you know, every week they got more confident. And I, I remember a couple of years ago when we, we finally got uh, that number one ranking. And I think we only had it for a couple of weeks because I felt like the team was too young and it got to their head. But when we, when, when we took over the number one ranking uh, this year, it, it just added to the fire uh, that, that, that fueled them. And, you know, we, uh, we, we got through the season. There were a couple – of weeks that, you know, on Wednesday afternoon, a bunch of my colleagues here in Daytona would say, uh, you guys got it in the bag. And I said, listen, every team in the country wants to beat the Georgia Bulldogs this year. So you got to be on your A game every time you take the field because everybody wants to knock off the number one. So get through the regular season to go to the SEC championship. We were in Nashville crowning our NASCAR Cup Series champion, you know, right down not too far from Atlanta. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to the game on Saturday, and I told my wife, I said, you know what, I, 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 we're just going to go home. We're not going to go to Atlanta. We're not going to see this game. I don't have a good feeling. And, of course, that same kind of, uh, you guys got in the bag. You guys are going to kill uh, Alabama. I said, I, I don't think so. And you can tell from that from that first series when we were on offense uh, for the SEC championship that we just weren't that same team. You know, I think we made a valiant effort in the third and fourth quarter to try to come back, but we just fell flat. And I honestly think 
that was a pitiful, pivotal moment for us as a football team. Uh, and it fueled that fire uh, to, to obviously get us past Michigan. And I, I, you could just tell uh, that we were ready to play when we got back to Indianapolis, what, three or four weeks ago. First and second quarters were a little bit hard to watch, but they came out in the third quarter and just dominated on both sides of the ball. And one thing people aren't talking about, at least down here, is the those those three or four goal line stands that we made throughout the game that really, really helped us drive uh, drive the, the, the sequence of the game. So it was a magical moment. I actually, um, COVID over the holidays. And so I got out of COVID jail on Sunday and had an opportunity to fly on Monday to Indianapolis. And I decided I was just going to stay home and, and watch it with my twin boys. They're 11 years old. And I wanted to share that moment with them. And they stayed up till midnight with me and watched the game. And we were crying happy tears and Screaming! I think the cops were called because they thought somebody was getting murdered in our house because we were screaming so loud. <laughs> uh, what what a what a moment you know for for our university, um, for all the folks that have graduated from the University of Georgia that are Georgia Bulldog fans. You know, we've been holding on to that that early '80s championship for a long time. In fact, I took my boys uh, to a game this year uh, and. Uh, we were celebrating that championship team, and I thought to myself, "We got to, we got to win because some of these guys are not going to be around much longer. They're, they're starting to yeah. die out." So uh, Kirby Smart and that whole organization has built something special, and I, I do believe this is the the start of something really, really special. I'm sure this hits you too, but I've I've often thought that it was interesting that there was kind of a racing undertone to this season with the kickoff being in Charlotte, NASCAR Hall of Fame there. And then ending the season, obviously, in Circle City, the home of the Indy 500 and IndyCar racing. I just thought that was kind of a cool parallel to this championship chase. I'm sure that that struck with you as well. Yeah, uh, a buddy of mine actually is the president of IndyCar. And uh, him and his wife uh, live in Indianapolis, obviously. She went to Alabama. And I've known her. Oh, wow. her, name's, her name's Danielle Fry. They've uh, been great friends for a long time. And she texted me and said, I got you a ticket to come to the game, but you're going to have to sit with a bunch of Alabama people. I said, absolutely not. But I thought it was a nice, I thought it was a nice tie. You know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is just like Daytona International Speedway, one of the most iconic sports venues in our country. And it was nice that they tied it all together, uh, really made it a, a special moment. Um, and Indy did a nice job. I mean, from start to finish, feel like they welcomed the national championship to town and certainly made it uh, feel like a big event because it is. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was neat. It was really neat. So my brother and I went to the game and we started off our national championship Monday by doing the kiss the bricks tour um, at Indianapolis motor speedway, which was a really, really great way to start the day. And that was the first time either of us had been and Man, it was it was really cool. I, I'm interested to ask you this because on the tour they told us about the banking in the turns um, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and then he actually says in the tour. Now, just for reference, uh, at Daytona International Speedway, it's three times this, and we looked at each other like this van would tip over if we tried to take this tour at Daytona. <laughs> So that's next on our list. We want we want to see Daytona International after after doing that, just to kind of feel the difference a little bit. Thirty one degrees of banking. So uh, you actually it is it is a fallacy that uh, you will tip over. But I can tell you, if you're sitting in the passenger seat 
and I'm driving and we stop on the banking, you're going to be in my lap if you're not wearing a seatbelt. You're going to be pretty <laughs> uncomfortable uh, just sitting there. It's, it's amazing what you think about this facility was built in 1959. So they had no technology like we have today and trying to make sure that the grade is exactly right. I mean, it, it's all, it was all hand done. Um, and they actually, uh, they built the, the bankings uh, out of the, the ground in the middle of the racetrack, which is now a lake. Um, so it's pretty remarkable to see um, cars, you know, roaring around the Daytona International Speedway at over 200 miles an hour, really never touch the brakes uh, because the banking really keeps you, you and your momentum uh, inside that race car. Uh, but, you know, it's fun when, when my, I have twin boys who are 11 and a nine-year-old little girl. And one of my favorite things to do uh, in my role while I was at Daytona was, you know, on, uh, on weekends as we were preparing for events, I would be over here working, looking around, doing whatever, and I would bring them with. And they would ride their bikes uh, through the venue, right, through the, through the speedway. And then if they really had a lot of sugar in them, I would take them down and just let them run up and down the banks. And you do that five or six times, uh, you're pretty worn out. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's two, it's you know, it's two stories tall from the bottom to the top. So you get up to the top and you look down, and you're like, oh, how am I going to get down? Like, well, you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but Daytona International Speedway is such a special place. It, you know, it hosts one of sports' biggest days in the Daytona 500, and I've been so blessed to be a part of a lot of them, both on the race team side of the business in which I worked for what, 12 years. And then now uh, 10 years uh, almost on the, on the track side of the business. Uh, it's definitely seen it from a bunch of different angles. And this place is just, it means so much to so many. Well, uh, on the way out to the Rose bowl uh, into 2017, I was bored on my flight and uh, used my napkin from the water. They brought me to write out a sports bucket list. And included some things I'd already done and things that I wanted to do. And it, I guess what prompted it was going to the Rose Bowl because that would obviously have been on the list. And so the Indy 500 and Daytona 500 are both on my list. Uh, and I haven't done either, but getting to see Indy in person was was really neat. And so my brother and I talked about it. They were like, we're going to have to go back for the actual race and then do the same thing for Daytona. So we'll, we'll definitely be down there and make that happen. But I, I want to hear a little bit about your Georgia story. So um, I know you grew up in the Atlanta area. Is that right? Yep. So did you grow up a dog's fan was going to UGA always the goal, always the number one spot or, or how did, how did you come to end up in Athens? You know, that's, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, my dad went to Walford college in South Carolina, played football. Yeah. There. Spartanburg. Um, yeah. Spartanburg. My mom went to Converse. Um, and so we, you know, a lot of our, my next door neighbor's parents both went to the University of Georgia. Um, a lot of our friends, my parents' friends went there, but growing up, you know, we didn't get exposed to, to, to University of Georgia a ton. I went, I've been to a couple of football games when I was a little boy, but you know, there really wasn't a lot to it. Um, and then really in high school, when we started looking at colleges, you know, some of my friends who graduated before me went to school there. So I'd go to Athens and really fell in love with the town. Uh, but I really thought that I wanted to uh, be a, a, a college athlete um, and I couldn't be that at Georgia. So I had the opportunity to, to play tennis at the, or at the College of Charleston my freshman year and uh, actually broke my ankle my senior year of high school playing basketball and really never, it just didn't work out. So 
I went to college Charleston my freshman year, um, but spent the majority of my weekends in Athens uh, as I was dating a girl that went to school there and um, fell in love with the school and, and transferred into Georgia my sophomore year. Um, you know, when, and when I was in high school, a lot, a lot of the folks I graduated at Pace Academy in Atlanta, a lot of my, um, my fellow graduates went there, they, you know, and I, I was like, I don't want to go there. I want to go to a different school. But man, was I wrong. The University of Georgia shaped who I am. Growing up in Atlanta, you kind of get uh, stuck in a bubble where, you know, you think everybody is, is very like-minded and um, you think everybody has that same background that you do. And then when you go to the University of Georgia, your eyes are opened and you get exposed to so many things that truly Atlanta couldn't do for me. You know, different walks of life, different people, different experiences, um, the things that Athens had to offer were just, they really shaped who I was as a person, the, the professors there, um, just the entire college experience definitely uh, opened my eyes and my mind to a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. And I think anybody can say that about college, but there just was something about the University of Georgia that I think about every day. And even down here in, in uh, what I call reptile country, because nobody in my uh, family is allowed to use the G word uh, unless they want to sleep outside. I am the most proud graduate uh, of the University of Georgia in Volusia County. And it's been fun, you know, with us winning the national championship. Everybody knows that I was in Georgia. Everybody in our industry. And I got more calls and texts uh, about us winning the national championship, which, by the way, I had zero to do with. Then I did when <laughs> I hosted the president of the United States of America two years ago at the Daytona 500. So literally more people congratulated me for something I didn't even do than being able to have the honor of hosting a, a sitting president at our racetrack. And um, that just shows you people know how proud I am to be a part of the University of Georgia family and certainly want to continue to give back to the school that really helped shape who I am. So graduated in 02. Does that mean 01 was your final football fall in Athens? Am I doing my math on that right? No, 02 was because... I went 02 fall, 02 spring, graduated 02 summer. Okay, gotcha. So Coach Rick's what, first or second year was your yeah, last year? I think it was the second year, yeah. Second year, yeah. So you were there for hobnail boot and all the good stuff. At the oh, beginning. yeah. So I, da- I, I dated and married, uh, and I'm still married, to a Auburn, uh, Auburn Tiger. And, in fact, that, that game, we played Tennessee and, and Tennessee, we watched the game – uh, in, in Auburn, because we were at a wedding uh, with my wife's uh, mother and father, who both also went to Auburn. And they were screaming because they wanted Tennessee to win, which I couldn't understand, but I think they just wanted to cheer against me. Um, and I remember that play <laughs> like it was yesterday because Catherine, my wife's mother, was screaming, just marched off. She was so mad that we won the game. Uh, but, yes, I, I remember those games vividly. So y'all are a house divided every year for the Deep South's oldest rivalry, huh? <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting for me making a living in sports. She literally doesn't care. It's so funny. So, you know, when they played the national championship, what, six, eight years ago, um, we watched the game and she had no interest. I'm like, Kevin, you went to Auburn. Like, let's watch the game. She's like, ah, we'll watch till halftime. And then then she got into it. I'm like, all right, let's go to bed. She's like, hell no, we're not going to bed. We're watching this game. Um, So there's one day a year that potentially we don't talk to each other a lot, but She's pretty, she's a pretty good sport most of the time. 
Oh, that's fantastic. So we will do this with you later, but we end all of our interviews with the Smart 16. And one of our questions is, what is your favorite rivalry that Georgia has? And my co-host and I, when we started the show, kind of placed bets, like what's going to be the answer? And we just assumed that the majority of folks would say Florida, right? World's largest outdoor cocktail party, the whole deal, the Gators are hated, all these different things. Boy, were we wrong. Auburn has been the answer probably, I don't know, 80% of the time, which is That's just crazy. shocking. Yeah, that is crazy. crazy. Wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, a lot of kids that grow up in Georgia and then friends go to Auburn or I don't know, family rivalries, whatever it may be. But it, it's, it's been surprising. So, so that's funny. Well, so tell us a little bit about how being at Georgia, going to school at Georgia and graduating from Georgia sets you up for your professional path and has helped you along as you climb that ladder. Well, I mean, you know, certainly there's huge opportunities at Georgia just with the alumni base. But I always really wanted to do something in sports. I knew from a young age I wanted to, I wanted to be in sports in some capacity. It helped shape who I was as a kid. My dad obviously played college sports and really that was our bond uh, when I was a, was a child was, you know, him, he coached my football team, my baseball team, my basketball team. I just, I, I love sports. So, you know, obviously Georgia football is something that we all love and cherish. And um, that definitely just got me more excited about it. And I really tried, um, I, I tried a number of different kind of internships uh, from the time I was in high school through when I graduated uh, from Georgia and I did everything from, I worked at the peach bowl every year. In fact, I remember the game that uh, Virginia and Georgia played and, and Atlanta and Georgia was down like 30 points going into halftime and came back and won. Um, I remember that game vividly. Heinz Ward played quarterback in that game. Is that right? He was Was Heinz Ward playing quarterback in that game. He I know he was switching been. around then. Yeah. It, it like I couldn't believe, you know, Georgia was heavily favored going into the game and then got down pretty quickly um, and and came at, came out of halftime like it was a different different team. And they, they came back and won. I remember that game vividly. But um, so you know, I had some exposure to college football there. I did an internship with uh, the tour championship in Atlanta, did an internship with Coke and we toured around uh, the southeast doing sports things and I had the opportunity before my senior year at Georgia that summer to do an internship in North Carolina with a sports marketing firm that specialized in NASCAR sponsorships and really didn't have any exposure to NASCAR other than one race when I was 16 years old at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. It was the last race of the year. And I just, only thing I remember about it is that it was really, really cold and my uncle got really, really drunk. Like those are the two <laughs> things I remember. Like, and, and honestly, like those are the only two things I remember about it. It was like, it was freezing cold, and I think you drank like two cases of beer before we got to the race. So, <laughs> I, I uh, and I, I really didn't have an expectation about it at all going into uh, into this internship. Just was like, ah, oh, we'll try it out, like something else, get some ex- ex- meet new people, get exposed to something new. And man, I fell in love with it. I the cars are neat. Never been a car guy. What I fell in love with is is our industry, and you know how it's it's a really tight knit group. And when you're in, you're in something good happens to somebody or something tragic happens to somebody in our industry, the entire group rallies around them. In fact, we saw this a couple of weeks ago, uh, a guy that works on our team in the public relations department, uh, unfortunately lost his house to a house fire. Uh, I guess they had oh, a wow. space heater that was, um, that was, that caught a room on fire and this whole house burned down. 
And within 24 hours, uh, we raised almost $100,000 for this guy, the industry, by just sending out a couple of emails. Dale and our junior offered up a house for them to live in. Um, so I just, it's amazing to see what um, our industry is and how, how generous and gracious they are uh, when one of their own needs is in need of help. And that's what I love about our sport. And that's what made me want to work in it. So obviously the, the thing in the headlines this week is Matthew Stafford and a group of dogs for the Rams going to the Super Bowl in, I guess, nine or 10 days. Uh, so big, big event coming up in less than two weeks. But I would say the Super Bowl of NASCAR also coming up uh, the week after that. So February 20th is Daytona 500. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the ramp up to that? and the opportunities that maybe people don't think about to experience the event, not just seeing it in person, but everything that goes on around the event that week. Yeah, well, we actually kick off uh, this week uh, at the LA Coliseum. So we've, we've built a racetrack inside the LA Coliseum. Um, never done that before. In fact, uh, the race is on Sunday live on Fox, which will kick off our season with a brand new car that where we unveiled last fall. Um, it's going to be a really unique way to kick off the season one week before the Super Bowl in the same market. It's going to be just an absolute blast for us uh, to be out there. And then, you know, watching our boy Matthew Stafford, uh, somebody did say to me the other day that if Matthew Stafford wins the Super Bowl, you're probably I'm probably not going to show up for work anymore. He's like, dog, <laughs> your dog won the national championship. Matthew Stafford took a team to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. So you're probably right. Yeah, I, I, could, I could pretty much be done. Uh, the Daytona 500 is, even if you're not a sports fan, is one of the greatest spectacles in all of sports. Um, you know, it's as a, as a casual fan, you will tune in to watch the Daytona 500. The racing itself is super exciting. Uh, you know, it's pack racing, which means that all 40 cars are within one or two seconds of each other. They race side by side, three wide six, eight deep for 200 uh, laps around the high banks of Daytona International Speedway, trying to capture a Daytona 500 championship ring and, and be able to hoist that Harley J. Earl trophy. Um, you know, winning a Daytona 500 is essentially like winning a Super Bowl uh, for, for our sport. And it, regardless of how you do in the rest of your career, if you win a Daytona 500, you've enshrined yourself as one of the greatest. Uh, drivers and 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 we've seen that you know last year an underdog and Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500 was in the right place at the right time when two cars on the last corner of the last lap wrecked and he was in third place and he won and never had won a race never won a NASCAR Cup Series race his first victory was a Daytona 500 and um, you know that's that's a that's a big moment that, that changed his career that changed his life and, and that's what the Daytona 500 will do to somebody. And, you know, it's not just about the race. It's that ramp up all week uh, from Monday when the, when the haulers, the tractor trailers unload those cars for the first time in our garage area until we see the checkered flag. There's so much going on in and around the Daytona International Speedway that it just makes it so special. And uh, we've been racing this race since 1959. And it just continues to get bigger and better every single year. Uh, we actually, um, we spent $400 million on the Daytona International Speedway uh, over the last, what, six or eight years. And it truly has transformed how people view coming to a race here. 
brand new seats, wide concourses, Wi-Fi, escalators, elevators, more concession areas, more bathrooms. Every seat, you can see the entire two and a half mile racetrack. It truly is just a remarkable facility. And the facility now represents what the race means to our sport. And so, um, you know, I've had the honor and, and privilege of being uh, associated with the racetrack now for six years. And um, it is uh, it truly has been the honor of my life. If you were going to, I guess, give someone who has never experienced a NASCAR race or is looking to step into the sport, some advice about how to start that journey. Where is, I guess maybe this is a silly question, but what is the first racetrack you would tell them to go to? Huh. Um, you know, I think Daytona is always an incredible experience because of what it is. Um, if, if your listeners, I'm assuming most of them are in and around the Athens and Atlanta area, uh, Talladega super speedway. It's a, it's a great environment, same kind of racing they have here in Daytona pack racing. Um, so every lap is exciting and really like edge of your seat, who's going to win. Uh, but the, the cool thing about NASCAR that really differentiates it from other professional sports is the access. I mean, you have access to truly the playing field right up until we drop the green flag. Um, you have access to these drivers. You have access to all of these things that other sports don't provide. And that's what differentiates us from other professional sports. So, um, you know, we allow people to bring their own cooler into the racetrack. That's another big one, which, you know, I say two God-given rights that we'll never take away or free parking and you know, bring in your cooler. Uh, <laughs> really, really important things, man. You know, that's, Listen, like you, what I've learned over the years, NASCAR fans are passionate and they certainly aren't afraid to let you know when you've screwed up. And we made the mistake uh, right after COVID of not allowing coolers into the racetrack. And I got some really, really nice letters from fans, as you can imagine. Some <laughs> yeah. Of which, so, some of which uh, I have framed since because they're so good. Um, but, you know, that you, the, the coming to a race is uh, it's more than just showing up right at green flag. It's that immersive experience of coming with your buddies and camping for the weekend or, you know, coming early on Sunday morning and spending the day, you know, navigating all of the different kind of sub events that happen before the, the drop of the green flag. That's what makes NASCAR so special. It's, it's about the event uh, versus about being just at the race. All right, Chip, we want to close with you today, how we close with all of our guests. We do the Smart 16, which is 16 kind of quick questions in homage to, to Coach Smart and the number he donned when he was playing in Athens. So I'm going to hit you with him, okay? A lot of pressure here. A lot, lot of pressure, that's right. All right, let's do it. All right, first question, what's your middle name? Brian. All right, who is your favorite dog of all time? Ooh, uh, probably Champ Bailey. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe first person to mention champ. That's a good one. So Muhammad right. Masakoy will probably kill me because he's a, a great friend of mine. We were uh, we were uh, forty under forty together at Georgia, and uh, oh, that's actually, cool. Yeah, yeah, we were in the same forty under forty class at Georgia, and uh, I brought him to a NASCAR race uh, at Talladega a couple years ago, which was really fun. The first time he'd ever experienced one, and he had a great time. And, and uh, he's a fan. He's now a fan. Well, he's a Charlotte guy too, right? I feel like like he, he should be in the NASCAR. Yeah, yep. And uh, he's gotten really involved in some of the other things that we do. So you know, a lot of these pit crews are uh, ex-collegiate and sometimes professional athletes. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so he's gotten involved with some of those groups doing some motivational speaking, um, really trying to get, get involved in some of the, the psychiatry around that. Um, it's pretty neat. And, uh, he's really, he's enjoyed it. And, and Muhammad's just a, he's just a great human being. He's just a great human being. Brief tangent on that, because you saying that perks something in my memory. Isn't there a current country music star? Is it Chase Rice that got his, his start after playing college football as part of one of the pit crews? Am I wrong? He is, is it not Chase he Rice? Actually, he actually hails from, from Ormond Beach, right? Literally, that's where I live. I live in Ormond Beach. Uh, oh, yeah. Right up the road. Yep, he did. Sure enough, he was, uh, he was a, a pit crew guy for Hendrick Motorsports before he decided to try to make a country music living. I think he made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it turned out just fine for him. <laughs> well, so, I mean, these Pickery guys are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, um, you know, ch- changing tires or, or, uh, or, or jacking the car. I mean, they're, they are truly, it's a full-time job and, and they, they do it. They take it very seriously. And it's pretty amazing. The training that goes into doing that, but yeah, it, they, they make a reasonable living, but Chase is definitely doing a lot better. Yeah, I heard an interview. I can't remember if it was a podcast interview or what, and he had mentioned that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because um, I think he played at, at Carolina, maybe. Maybe it was like a linebacker or something. And um, he then said, you know, they asked, well, how'd you get into country music? He says, well, I got to be good buddies with the guys who eventually became Florida Georgia Line, and I was one of the co-writers on this song, Cruise, that they released. <laughs> yeah, things worked out okay for him, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crazy how so, it works out. Yeah. Okay. Favorite game that you've ever attended as a dogs fan? Uh, this is easy. Uh, Notre Dame, what, three years ago, uh, under the lights. I, uh, it was the first game I brought. I, like I told you, I've had twin boys. They literally are my best friends. And uh, I waited nine years uh, to take them to a game. And their first Georgia football game was the Georgia Notre Dame game in Athens and what, 2019? Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I have a similar story. Uh, the game was on September 21st, 2019. I know that because it's my son's seventh birthday. Uh, my brother's birthday is September 22nd. So the three of us went to the game, uh, made signs for game day that said, all we want for our 35th and seventh birthdays are a dog's win, like did the whole thing. And man, it was electric that night. So, oh, I love that. Okay. What is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? Uh, I gotta go with the, the Georgia Florida game being down here, especially. It's uh, it's all I, I, the reason I love it the most is because I almost guaranteed every year to go, so it's uh, it's fun for me to be able to. And and I've always thought that that was our best rivalry. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just think it's always a good game. It's unpredictable. So you know, it's not on either one of our uh, home fields, so you don't really have an advantage. It's truly the best team wins. What is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Ooh. You know, I've spent a lot of, when I was at Darlington, I spent a lot of time at the University of South Carolina. Um, and that, that, that's a pretty unique atmosphere there. So I mm-hmm. would say USC is, what, is probably my favorite away stadium. Yeah, that's a good one. We took, uh, we took our, my two oldest kids, my brother and I took my two oldest kids a couple years ago to Williams Bryce. First time. It was a lot of fun. Cool atmosphere. The cockaboos train is cool. I mean, yeah. you know, cool, cool stuff, man. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was a, it's all, it was always fun when we went. Um, just, you know, it's fun to go to different stadiums because everyone kind of has their own their own dynamic, uh, their own traditions that, that make it special. Uh, I think going to Ole Miss and going to the Grove is always fun. 
certainly going to Auburn was fun. Uh, but just, you know, it, it, it just any, any, any place in the SEC. All right. I think I may know your answer to this one based on your previous answer, but what is the loudest game you have ever attended between the hedges at Sanford stadium? Oh, no question. The Notre Dame game. Yeah. It was it was lightning that night, especially when they dropped the red lights for the first time. I mean, yeah. you couldn't he- couldn't hear yourself think. So crazy story. So more than you need to know. So my twins are epileptic, and they have they have childhood epilepsy. And uh, so when we got tickets, and we we actually left on Friday night um, and spent the night in uh, Tifton, Georgia, which is about halfway between Daytona Beach and, and Athens. And we got up on Saturday morning early so we could make the rest of the drive. We got on 95 and literally about 45 seconds after we got on 95, uh, one of my twins had a massive seizure. Uh, and I had to rip to the side of the road. And it's just – it's a horrible thing. And, uh, yeah. It, it, watching it, you know, you had to pull him out of the car and he's lifeless, the whole bit. And so um, once they have a seizure, they they just they, – all their energy has been expunged. They have literally, literally like just sleep out. And uh, so we we went. Uh, my aunt and uncle live in Monticello, Georgia, which is on the way. So we stopped there just to, as a stopping point. And uh, I uh, I said to my to one of the my son that had a seizure. I said, "Buddy, if you want to sleep, you sleep." But and, and I'll take your brother to the game. And he looked at me and goes, "I'm not missing this game for the world." And he got up, <laughs> and it was literally the best day of our life. I mean, they. They got to experience everything Athens has to offer. We did the dog walk. Um, he met. They met the basketball team and got pictures with them. And I just like I got a picture as they walked into Sanford Stadium for the first time and got the expression on their face as they walked right by the hedges and they're looking up and looking around. And it's uh, just a moment I'll never forget, especially after the day started in such a such a tough fashion. Oh, that's incredible, man. What a, what an awesome memory to have to, to kind of cap that and tie that off and have that experience together, man. That's beautiful. I, I love it. I mean, I think that's the beauty. This is what I try to explain to people who aren't, I guess, rabid college football fans, is that, yeah, it's about the game and, like, you're fired up that the team wins. But I've been telling people this about the national title. Look, man, I'm, I'm as happy as anybody on the planet that the dogs are national champs. But I'll tell you what I'm more happy about. I got to experience multiple things this season with my brother. And we'll always have that, you know, and, and that's, that's year to year with the dog. So man, I I I love that. I think that's sports in general, right? So working in sports for now, two decades, you, you almost get immune to how cool it is because it's a job. Um, And, and listen, I, I wake up every day and I'm excited to come be a part of this sport, but the things that I'll remember when I'm 70 years old, will won't be a race, but it's, the memories that I've helped be able to create for somebody, you always get somebody who, you know, has lost a brother or wants to do, wants to ask their, you know, their girlfriend to marry them on the big screen or whatever. And you get involved in these little moments. Like I had the opportunity to welcome a, a service member back from Afghanistan and surprise the, their family here at the racetrack. And those kind of, that's what makes sports special. It's that common thread that weaves through every part of life and brings everybody together with a common interest. You, you, you look at in, in Sanford Stadium or you look at the Daytona International Speedway when, we, when we're running the Daytona 500, it's all walks of life. And they all come together in like this harmonious moment to cheer on and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. 
And that's what makes sports special. That's what makes sports something that you, that'll never, it'll never go away because of that. Because there's nothing else that can draw people together from so many different walks of life to bring them to, to, to one moment. All right. You get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? Oh, God. I've been real fortunate. I've gotten to choose a lot of Daytona 500 uh, pre-race concerts. So, I mean, I would say right now, I would say probably uh, Chris Stapleton. Oh, that's a good one. He or would be great in that environment, too. Yeah, uh, we got Luke Combs playing the previous concert this year at Daytona. So excited! About oh, that's that's fantastic. Well, we're a little partial to Luke because one of Luke's best friends and songwriters on a bunch of his number one hits is Georgia grad Ray Falcher, who's a friend of the show. Oh. So we're partial to Luke, <laughs> and they so both Luke, and they both love. I had a previous show last year, but because of COVID, we had limited capacity. Yeah, And we had, unfortunately, it rained and it was just a long day and uh, him and his buddies stuck it out. I mean, they stayed and it was actually the first time they had been together in, uh, in over a year because of COVID. So the band had been together until that weekend and they came and they brought the bus and they cooked out and they had a great time. And we were sitting together uh, in, in the suite and I said, Luke, you need to come back next year and you need to play this show for real. And he's like, for real? I said, well, you didn't play it for you played it for thirty thousand people. Next year, you're going to play it for one hundred and thirty thousand people. He goes, "I'm doing," it. and literally, that's how it happened. And so, we struck a deal right there, and he's going to play the show for a second consecutive year, and going to actually get to enjoy being a part of one of sports' biggest days. Oh man, that's fantastic! Okay, you spoke about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Question number eight is: What is the cocktail that you're mixing for that delightful event? Uh, it's just a cold Bud Light. <laughs> that's good. And that's good for the long run. And that day is a marathon, not a sprint, brother. <laughs> Listen, if you're drinking cocktails, you're not making it to the game. No, you sure are. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. We, uh, we stumbled upon the Jacksonville Bulldog Club's tailgate a few years back. And now we will not go there without parking in their lot and hanging out. And man, what a time that place is like just our favorite. So, so Marty, Marty Smith is a, is a, is a dear friend of mine. Uh, he actually started his career run, writing for NASCAR.com. Yeah. Oh, Marty's and, a Southwest uh, Virginia boy. Yeah. He and my co-host so, are from Virginia. Yeah. So two years ago, we were, our last, it was 2019 because we didn't go to 20 because of COVID. So 2019, he texted me, I guess he added him and Marty McGee had to do, or uh, McGee had to do some stuff. So, He's like, you going to be here? I said, yeah. He's like, I'm coming over. I've never been to the outdoor cocktail, the biggest outdoor cocktail bar. I'm like, come on. We had a good time. And he, <laughs> he, did, he, he now sees why you drink beer. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, we love, we love what Marty does. And we love what Ryan McGee does. And just great stories and great storytellers. So, man, that's fantastic. Um, okay. I don't want to pigeonhole you here because I know there's a lot to choose from. But when you were back in the Classic City, What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? It was East West, um, which I don't think is East West anymore. That's where we used to always go to eat a great dinner. And then you'd always just go to the bar. <laughs> Mama's boy is our spot now. That's where we have to eat. Where is that? So it's not, they have a couple locations, but the one we go to is not too far from downtown. And we generally go for breakfast either the day we get in town 
or the, the morning after we get in town or the morning before we leave. But brother, they got a pulled pork hash that oh. I'd cut you for. I mean, it's out of bounds. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like I need to be making a trip up to the classic city pretty soon. Yes, yes. I, I would suggest it highly. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any game day or conversely race day superstitions? I do wear the so during during uh, during the season I wear the same socks on Saturdays. Now, what if they lose? Do you change the socks the next week, or does uh, it that, stay rocking the whole year? No, then, because then when the lose twice, it's my fault. <laughs> uh, and I usually during uh, the season wear a red shirt to the racetrack on Saturdays. It's, it's right, generally I, my move. I like it. Okay. Favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition, whether it's dog walk or lone trumpeter or uh, Larry Munson coming over the airwaves. What's your favorite? I mean, the, the dog walk's pretty special. Uh, I, it, it, it's like it, it really helps, like, kind of kick off that energy that starts to build all the way to kickoff. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a really neat thing that they've been able to do over the years. Black jerseys, yes or no? No. What is the loss you're still not over? Oh, yeah, the Alabama SEC championship game, because I knew we should have won. We should be undefeated this season. That does stick in the craw a little bit, though. No, like my brother and I were in Atlanta, and we were real, real salty. After because, because like, there'll always be that asterisk that they're not SEC champions, but they're national yeah. champions. Uh, it doesn't matter, but it matters. Yeah. Yeah, let me ask you this quick pivot question because there was a lot of debate about this as the season went on about did it make it as sweet as possible that who they beat for the title was Alabama? I guess what I'm asking is would it been have would have been like having a glass of unsweet tea if they had beaten someone else for the national title? Like it's after still tea, but Alabama, it wouldn't have after been after they lost Alabama the SEC champ. Absolutely. Uh, because because so here's the deal down here right so uh, a lot of people that work in our building uh, on our team here at nascar went to ucf and remember a yep. couple of years ago when they beat auburn and auburn beat alabama or all i don't remember what it was they like self-proclaimed themselves national champion right right yeah you can't do that <laughs> like that's not, that's not a that's like me calling myself a national champion like that's not that doesn't work so yeah. so that's what would have happened. It would have been, well, well, Alabama beat them. So Alabama's actually the national champion. Yeah, that's how we were, man. I was, I was pretty vocal the whole year that for me, I didn't just need him to win the title. I needed him to do it against Alabama for all, for so many reasons, but it just made it a full circle. The, and the so the only thing I wish, the only thing I wish would have been different is that. That A and M wouldn't have be wouldn't have beaten Alabama earlier in the year, and Kirby would have been the first coach to come back and beat. Yeah, boy, that would have been the perfect bow on that. Kirby doesn't yeah. care. He's collecting. No, he doesn't care. And I, I saw yesterday they had the board meeting, and they said that they are in uh, active negotiations to oh, oh. Uh, to redo his contract. <laughs> I just wish I was his agent, man. Like I, oh. I, I, I just want one percent, one percent. I'll take 1% of your contract and then I'll be done for my life. Okay. This question we have changed. Originally, this question was, what's your order at the varsity? But when they closed the location in Athens, we vowed that we would not ask it until the varsity was reopened in Athens. So we have now shifted this question to, 
What is your hash brown order at the Waffle House? Scattered, covered, and smothered. Oh, that's a good one. So I, I, my, my boys, uh, they wouldn't eat. They're just so strange, right? They don't. They wouldn't eat the best things for the longest time. So finally, one of the twins decided about six months ago he was going to uh, to try hash browns at, at Waffle House, and it changed his life. It changed his life, as it does. It does. It does. And I said, son, it only gets better. Wait till you're about <laughs> 19 and you're out too late and you need something just to soak up whatever you've had, you've consumed. You'll thank me later. So they closed the one at five points. What? Yes, I know. Same response we had. That's yeah. crazy town. So we have this tradition before every first day of school and, and every last day of school, we go to the wall they take all three kids every year. It's so fun. We go to the same one. We have the same server. Uh, we're going on year six. We did get a pass. We, we got Waffle House to write us a letter. We got a pass for COVID. So we are the tradition still remains. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, um, it's one of the greatest establishments in all of America. Brother, that just tells me you should get the badge for dad of the year right there. I mean, that's. That's right on the money. I'm real proud of you on that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a special day. It's a special it is, day. You're darn right it is. Any it's day really just the Waffle House to go is a special Walmart, day. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my kids know that if we go to a uh, if we go to a dog's game, first question they ask, are we going to go to the Waffle House on Sunday morning? Uh, is it, do we even need to ask that question, kids? <laughs> is it Sunday <laughs> after a dog's game? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no? No, no, I don't think so. Here's the deal. The older you get, the older you get, the more a noon kickoff sounds ideal. Right? <laughs> so when you're when you're 21 or less and you've been out all night the night before, noon game's really a struggle. When you have three kids and you're waking up at 6:30, noon's like halfway through the day. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I could co-sign on that. I, you know, I until this day, have never thought of it that way. I have four kids, nine and under. So, yeah, brother. I mean, noon Think kick is essentially a 3.30 click. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, all the things. Like 3.30, you're thinking about dinner. Yes. You know what 100%. I mean? 100%. And then the 7.30 games? <laughs> I'm in bed to watch the second half of that, fella. That's right. That's right. Welcome to your yeah. 40s, my man. It's a great place. Come on in. <laughs> all right last question college football playoff and we we started when we started this series it was expand to eight teams but they've actually started having the active talks so now we're asking expand to 12 teams like they're talking about or find how it is or what or just find how it is at the four the only thing i worry about is if we expand it is that we're gonna have to shrink the regular season because it just takes such a toll on these these guys. So I, I guess if they did that, would they just play conference games and then go right into the playoff? I, I don't know if that's good. You think about what what these non-conference games do for these smaller schools and help um, help those programs find good athletes and, more importantly, uh, give, give college athletes an opportunity to get a great education. So – I'm a little bit conflicted. I, I kind of like where we are. The best four teams should be the ones that are playing. I think yep. the more you expand it, the more complicated it gets. And yeah, man, college football has turned into a full-time professional sport. Uh, yeah. Especially with uh, all, all these things, how are they getting paid and 
listen, we're looking into that. I think I think it's you know it's an opportunity for us to 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 take advantage of uh, these younger these younger athletes before they get into the professional levels and use them to help drive our business and help their brand. So I, listen, I, I'm not sure that we want to get into a, a eight or twelve team playoff. That could get tricky. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I I worry about the balance between what we know and love as the fabric of college football for decades and decades. And the necessary changes that come when you have a business as lucrative as college football, right? Um, but, but I hope they find a happy medium. I hope the leadership that's in place maintains it. Um, I know things are always changing, but some things you just kind of want to keep in the box they're in, right? <laughs> and oh, in right. so many ways, yeah. college football is perfect. So, yeah, well, all right, brother. Well, that's it. You're off the hot seat. You've completed all the right. Smart 16. Awesome. Well, Chip, thank you for uh, indulging us and being so gracious with your time today. We are always fired up to talk with with damn good dogs, and you are certainly one of them. So you're welcome back to hang with us anytime, brother. And please let everyone know how they can support you and how they can support NASCAR. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Chip Wild. Uh, follow me. I sometimes put up some funny stuff. Um, and certainly, anytime uh, your listeners want to come to a race, uh, look me up. I'd love to show them around. I love to show dogs uh, what we do and how we do it. Come come out and see it, see a race live. It's something to be. Well, good luck with everything moving forward, Chip. We'll certainly be rooting for you. As we always uh, close our shows here, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.